Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hey, Gabby, you can call the kids. I need some advice. All right, that looks great, Gabby. Let's make those legs longer. So, gee, how's it going with the kids? Uh-huh. Not feeling trained. Come here. More grass in there. Let it go. What's your plan? Hi everyone and welcome to the show. My guest today was a Taoist monk, Dr. Pedram Shojai, and he then, you know, he said even when he was studying with his masters that they knew he would be of the world. And he became a doctor of oriental medicine, acupuncturist, he's a husband, a father of two young children, entrepreneurs, environmentalist. I mean, you know, I just think he's he's a person who is saying, hey, how do we contribute? To our self-care, our family's betterment, the world that we live in, whether it's the environment, our daily practices. Um, he's written a ton of books, The Urban Monk, Inner Alchemy, Exhausted, Freedom, Focus. His latest movie is Prosperity. I urge you to see it. Um, because what I love about, one of the many things I love about uh, Dr. Sojai is, yes, we all need information and we all need to be inspired. However, after that, what are the tools? What kind of toolkit can we put together to help ourselves navigate a busy world, a world that is vying for our attention and focus, a world that, you know, it's hard to look up from and say, I don't even have enough time to try to put these things in practice. So I really enjoyed our conversation. It is, you know, matter of fact, it's about personal accountability, but also what I really appreciate is the idea that of course it's possible. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, first of all, thank you for taking time. I always prefer, and someone like you, especially I would have been thrilled to do this in person, but um, thank you for here's where we are and you that's where you get to be on a mountain. So if you would take me, cause for me, when I uh, learn and have been following what you're doing and I actually was familiar with the urban monk, one of your books, I feel like you're a person, if we were at a dinner party and I've actually heard you say like enough with inspiring and education, but like really giving people a tool tools for some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. I would like to have you sort of, share a little bit of your journey of, you know, going from, you know, your background. It is interesting that you became a Taoist priest. And then, you know, as you call it, and other people call it a householder, I'm a householder too. Because I think what happens is, is when someone like yourself gets to be in these very exaggerated learning situations, like dedicating this space and time, but then 
because there's a running joke in my house that I could be really evolved if I lived in a yurt on top of a mountain. But once we become entangled in everyday life and living and relationships and parenting and work, and then considering to contributing to the world around us, the idea sometimes of some of those bigger concepts get not only further away, but it's like, oh yeah, easy for you to say you live on a yurt and you guys are taking a vow of silence and you're not really entangled. And so I think besides discussing kind of this idea of building prosperity and kind of the expanding perspective that you bring for people, I would really love to get into how you have as a human, of we're flawed humans, navigated some of these bigger concepts and also, you know, put them into your day-to-day life beyond, obviously you're doing it in your work. So, cause Easy, still, I got kids. <laughs> uh, tell me about it. I just want, you know, I, I have a joke about it. Like, Oh, you know, this and that. And I had a friend who tried to tell me that she read some book where the guy never told the parents never said no. I was like, yeah, okay. They, they don't have kids. Um, yeah. but, or those kids are a pain in the ass to be around. Yeah. Or they almost got hit by a car, but okay. Um, I think, okay. So maybe just start with why did you, what was inside of you that you decided that your path initially was, you know, a spiritual one, a, a dedicated spiritual one? I was a pre-med at UCLA. I was following the track, you know, doing what immigrant kids do to, um, you know, be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Um, and then I found myself surrounded by miserable people cheating on tests and doing things that I thought doctors probably oughtn't be doing. And um, at the same time, I found a guy teaching Tai Chi and was like, what is this? And it really changed my perspective on what health and vitality really were. When I could feel the vitality between my palms. And uh, the more I got disenchanted with Western medicine, the more I got enamored with this Jedi stuff. I was really confused actually at the time. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I, you know, I worked my tail off to get to college and do all this stuff. And now I don't know. And so I asked God for a clue. Um, I was in the university research library and a book fell out of a bookshelf about 15 feet in front of me. And I was smart enough to take that as a clue. It was a book about Taoism. I didn't know what the heck it was. Um, opened it up, read a passage, checked it out, read it that night. Found a Taoist Kung Fu school in Los Angeles. A couple of days later, I was there. Teacher walked through the whole school, points me out and says, I've been expecting you. And I'm like, all right, this is too weird, but here I am. And, you know, that was it. You know, just jumped in with both feet, started doing Jedi stuff. Um, it just made sense. How do you drop that off to your family? Because, you know, I think part of that is not only our conditioning, you know, if, if I was listening and I'm a younger person who's going forth and trying to grab my life, my, my path, I think it's that other training and hardwiring, but also what the world thinks of us. And in that moment, you're going against both of those things. Um, one, you know, oh, doctor, that's a very grown up job. There's, there's the idea of prosperity around that, even though people spend their lives working and their families usually are collateral damage. Um, a lot of doctors, where do you get the, because also you, I get the impression from your culture, you'd be a dutiful son. 100%. Well, and they also said, I mean, they, they came here as refugees of a revolution and they paid it forward into our generation. And now here you are telling me you want to do witch doctor stuff or whatever. I mean, that's crazy talk. And so, you know, those concessions, I said, look, I'm going to do all this, but I'll, I'll study international trade law, you know, what doctor, lawyer, engineer. So I started, you know, I started majoring in history um, while doing 
20, 30 hours a week of training down at the school. I never dropped out of college because that wasn't the deal I could make with my folks. Um, and as, and then I would study so hard. I took 24 units in a quarter and take a quarter off and then go on sabbatical and have a letter of intro to a different temple or monastery. And then what happened eventually was it kind of came full circle and I was like, wow, there's this thing called oriental medicine that's fully in harmony with all the stuff that I'm studying. And I'll still, you know, take off the doctor card for them. Um, you know, be able to make a living, but do so within a paradigm that that I'm really, you know, into right now. And so I, you know, you make concessions, you do things to, you know, live in the householder world. I, I never really, as I did it, I never really committed to a life of asceticism. And so I always had one foot in this world to be an urban monk. And although I went off and did my monastic training and all that, I think that the intent always, and I didn't know it because I was just, you know, a young kid trying to find his way, but my teachers knew it that, you know, I was, I was to live in the world and I was to come back. What does, because most of us don't have, I mean, you know, we don't really have the opportunity. What was your version of monastic training? How long and and sort of maybe just what were some of the rituals or practices that you were that you were doing? Yeah, it's it's a little different. It was um, unconventional, and the reason why is because my grandmaster was visiting another temple um, in China when the communists showed up, burned down his temple, killed everyone he knew, and basically slaughtered all things you know religion slash mysticism in China. Thank you, you know, thank you, Mao. And um, they smuggled them out on a boat. He got to San Francisco, Chinatown, eventually got to LA and he started, you know, and all of a sudden it was like, wow, this is, this is the guy. And so he revived the lineage in training inside of, you know, a little martial arts school. Um, and then, so what I would do is I'd go Kung Fu, Tai Chi, Qigong, philosophy, meditation, you know, hundreds of hours, you know, uh, dedicated every single month, you know, like every week I'd be doing 20, 30 hours of training. And then on weekends, all weekend, you'd be training. And then um, every quarter, I'd take off on sabbatical and I'd have a very specific thing. Like for two years, I was celibate and it'd be like, okay, go water fast for five days and then do this practice and tell me what you see. And three weeks later, I'd come back. I'd go to like Waimea Canyon in Hawaii or I'd go to Machu Picchu and just do my practices. And, and sometimes I'd have letters of intro. Sometimes I'd just be a dude out in the jungle and do the work and come back and report and, you know, introspect. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of counseling. There's a lot of, a lot of kind of modern stuff too. My, my main teacher is a psychologist. So it's like, take the ancient, take the new, if you're going to be counseling people, it can't just be all woo, right? It's like, you got to understand, you know, marriage dynamics, you got to understand, you know, the stresses kids go through. So it was, it was very unconventional, but it was, man, it was, it was intense, but it was exactly what I needed. And it really gave me the, the tools I needed to help patients later, um, you know, as I got back in the world. I find it fascinating. And, and maybe you could just speak to this a little bit deeper. A lot of times people see something like a fast or I'm going to be celibate for two years. And they think that that, that lack of activity or, you know, that, that notion is, is the thing that's happening. Well, he's celibate, but what you realize is somebody like yourself, who, when you go on these paths, you realize that it's just, you know, a template or a matrix that you're really getting all these other lessons, right? So obviously, let's face it, sex is a, is a very powerful distraction. And so if maybe you said, okay, for now, that's off my plate. So now I'm going to focus on these other things. Maybe just share 
some of the things, because I think we're so into immediate gratification now. It, and it isn't about like discipline for the sake of discipline, but it's what we really learn in a real way, but in our way, because the way you're learning and hearing is going to be different than me, that it becomes your like own real lesson that were some of the things that kind of got dropped off to you during those longer stints of, you know, focused commitment or dedication to something for a period of time. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a very stark difference between the viewpoint of kind of Taoist sexuality and, you know, kind of the Judeo-Christian. And the Jews got it right because they let their priests marry, right? But you have these traditions where men, especially particular, are not allowed to be sexual, but also it's like a sin and you're supposed to look away. And then it starts to like eddy and become this kind of darker thing where you get all these like creepers and, and perverts and stuff that like is just aberrant, right? What our training was, was the cultivation. I mean, the, the sexual energy is the, the basis of all life. I mean, it's the, it's the, it's a propagation of life itself. So it's like, Hey, what do you, squandering this for you idiot teenager, like use it and channel it and learn what this energy is and direct it through your body and turn it into vitality and clarity and focus. And then once you understand what it is, then it's yours, but you know, it's like a loaded gun. And so you better understand the life force. And the only way you could do that is to cultivate it and breathe to it and harness it. And then, you know, you become like, I teach Tantra. Like it's, it's, it's a practice of cultivation of spirituality through understanding your sexuality instead of repressing it. And so these are things that, you know, if, if gone untapped and unharnessed, we squander. We squander our creative capacity. We squander our vitality, our, our focus. We squander it all and wonder why our lives don't work. So one of the, the most powerful things I've done, you know, being a young man and, you know, sexual and, and, you know, interested in girls and all that was to understand how much of my energy was leaking into you know, trying to attract a mate and, and, you know, say stupid things to impress some girl. And, you know, all that also is part of where you, you're leaking your power. And bringing that back, then it allows you to, you know, not just respect the life force in you, but to honor and cherish the life force in, in your partner, right? And, and cultivate it together. So how old were you when you met your wife? I met my wife as 28. And how, like, how does, I, I would be fascinated to know, like, a guy like you would be, you know, it's like the minute a guy sort of seems like they have a sense of self or like, hey, I don't just, you know, sleep around. I always joke with my male friends that aren't with anyone. I'm like, just say that you're celibate. More women will get up, <laughs> jump on top of you because they're like, Oh wait. And you're if you're like, no, like I'm waiting for the right situation or something special. And then women, you know, a lot of times people are like, Oh, I'm special. You know, like I'll prove it. I'll prove it to I'll you. Show you how special I am. I think it's such a fascinating, sick, uh, you know, it's just how we are. Right. Um, I'm going to be the one, but how do you, you're sort of living, you're, you're calibrating these two concepts, right? Being of the world, being of flesh, of man, and then sort of saying, hey, I'm, I really believe in these higher ideas and that they work in the long run and in the big picture. So how, what does that look like? You meet her and it, for you, I would imagine um, you're probably not like a confused person. I think you probably meet someone like your wife and think, oh, this, this maybe this has some real uh, legs for me anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And look, it's, I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, I mean, it's, it's nuts out there. 
And, you know, it's just this, the dating scene and, oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's rough. I talk to my single friends and it's just, you know, it's meaningless sex and, you know, not calling people back and just, it's way worse than it was, you know, 15 years ago when I, you know, met my wife and things were a little a little closer to what normal used to be, I guess. But it was more about knowing where you are in your own skin, knowing where your power lies, knowing what you have to share and and cherishing the sexuality of your partner and cherishing, you know, the the creative energy that comes through sensuality and sexuality and the making of life and all these things that are really sacred. Now, you don't have to make a baby every time, right? Like you you use that to build energy and build love and build connection. And the more you do that with one person, the more it starts to capacitate. And so, you know, for me, I was very comfortable under my own skin. I didn't need, like, I was out of all the codependency crap, all the like, you know, notches on the belt crap. There's all sorts of like phases especially as a young man that you go through trying to individuate to be a man, right? And I got intercepted by this monk stuff, but I still had all that. I mean, I didn't become a monk when I was 14, you know what I mean? And so, you know, but between 18 and 19, I was already in that, you know, kind of sexual expression and the, the tapping and the, and the capping of that. And then the redirection of that in a much more um, positive light. And not to say it was like aberrant, but it was just normal, right? Normal dude. Like, hey, let's go find some chicks, right? Like, that's just, it's it's just this biology. weird, what's that? It's also biology. Like, Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're looking for companionship and, you know, connection, physical and emotional, it's like, and, you know, there's a drive there. I think, I mean, obviously it can go awry or it can get misdirected, but it's so incredibly, the, the naturalness of it. And I think what you said earlier too, about how we've turned certain things into like voodoo, dirty, weird, bad. And in a way, it's like, it's the most natural thing, but let's just do it in a way that will enhance our lives, not keep us from, you know, kind of like you were talking about leaks or building your life or making your life work for you. So do you, do you date? Is there like laws, you know, for you kind of, you set parameters about how it works? I mean, pre-marriage? Yeah. Yeah. Pre, pre-marriage? No, it was actually like... um how should I say, like the joyful exploration of true sexuality and the the beauty of Tantra and the, 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 it's just like, oh God, it's like, you know, I think Don Juan had like one of the best sayings about this is woman is the closest thing man knows to God and sex is the ultimate form of worship. Right. And like before Tantra, it's all about you. It's all about like, I got to last and impress and like da, 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 and all this idiot shit. Right. And then after Tantra, it's about like celebrating this beautiful energy curve with another. Right. And, and it's, it, it was just a completely different exploration of a part of human sexuality and sensuality that I didn't, yeah, it's not like dad pulls you aside, like, you know, throws the baseball mitt down and tells you that gives you that talk. Right. <laughs> Who gets that? Let's talk about that. You have a son and a daughter. And, um, you know, I always find it fascinating how smart I am about everyone else's kids in life. And when it comes to my own, I'm not objective. And I, you know, I'm so vested in wanting them to be safe and having good relationships. But it's also how do I find the way to get out of my own way that it is their life, right? Like they will be how, who they are. And sometimes that might be really hard. You know, like, in, you know, as a parent, you're like, 
oh man, you're, it's just, you're making it really hard. But it, you know, I have, my youngest is, is 12 and I have a 25 year old daughter and a 17 year old daughter. So I've been sort of tenderized, if you will, by this process where I feel like once your kids become preteen, teen, you have choices to make, right? Do I yield to this process and try to grow and learn? Or do I just get my ass kicked and, and harden up and be like, this is how it is. You know, you're learning actually back again through them. I'm curious for someone like you who does know so much, you know, you're trained to have these conversations. Where do you go in your own dynamics with your own children? And by the way, do they even listen to you because you're their father? You know, mm-hmm. it's, oh, dad, you know, oh, dad. And I know that you're there at a different time. They're younger, but, you know, electronics, all of these things, like how are you and your wife managing these conversations and implementing, if you have anything that you're implementing, that's helping you kind of um, structure, you know, the world that they live in and what you know to be sort of probably better also. It's a tough one. And, you know, you, you think monastic training is hard, you know, raising a kid. I mean, that's, that's the real school of life right there. And the line my wife and I have drawn absolutely is these devices are poison, right? They are poison. I mean, when we first had kids, our kids are only 18 months apart and we started later. So like my eldest is six and a half, you know what I mean? And so I'm in it. Um, I'm not in the team crap, but I'm in it. Right. And so, you know, when we first started, it was like, oh, here's some YouTube videos. Let me sleep. Right. And, and all of a sudden you see the YouTube recommendations just bringing all sorts of like weird, creepy, like, just like, what is this crap? And so we're like, that's it. YouTube's gone. And then, you know, screen time. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, what is this show? What is this? And it's just the way the, the devices suck the attention right out of your kid is we decided if we want our kids to have a fighting chance, we just got to like, we got to keep them off this media crap. And so what do we do? I mean, we made a very difficult decision, not for me, but for my wife about a year and a half ago, I was like, screw this. We're going to the mountains. We came to Park City, Utah. Um, they ski three, four days a week. They're hiking, they're biking. You know, I've taken my, my son's already come out like, you know, shooting BB guns and, and, and camping and tracking and just nature crap, right? Like all the things that nature can provide are the best teachers. And like when they have breaks, we're homeschooling this year because because of COVID and all the crap going on. And we're just sending them out in the woods. We're like, go play, enjoy, you know, go learn from the trees. And, uh, you know, we have play dates with families whose kids are, you know, in COVID, it's all weird, right? But, you know, whose kids are good and whose, the parents are not these toxic, like, look at my Gucci, look at my, you know, material crap stuff. And who are just, you know, healthy minded, like, let's ride bikes and whatever, right? And I can tell you definitively that what I say means nothing. I get up and do yoga with them. We have, when we do PE, like I help them do pull-ups and we go running around and jumping in the woods. And if I'm not involved in doing what I say, they're so much smarter than we are. They're just like hypocrite, peace, right? And so it, it really is a challenge for us to be the parents they deserve and be, you know, the, the shining leading examples of the lives we're trying to get them to espouse. Um, and, we've, and we've had it. I, I remember when my son was like, Two, I was in. I was launching some film, and I was like, you know, on my laptop, and just like, and he was being a jerk and screaming and trying to like pull a laptop away, and and I'm just like, hey, cut it out! And he just looked at me, and he looked at his, he looked at me, he looked at the laptop, and I just got in his eyes that he didn't understand why this stupid thing in my lap was more important than him. And I just closed the laptop, and I was like, man, I am 
so sorry. Right. A, you got to learn how to work from home better. Right. But B, like I'm demonstrating to you that whatever's happening on this thing is the most important thing to me and not time with you. And it's the same with the devices. Every time like my wife and I are looking at our phones, all of a sudden our kids are like, hey, can I play with your phone? And you're like, no, ooh, my bad. My bad. Because I think um, along with other, you know, things like keeping them safe and teaching them how to be connected in this electronic world. I mean, you said even your friends, they're dating and what have you. You know, the, the reality is the way your brain's hardwired and my brain is hardwired is different than your children and my children. It's like, we don't understand. I mean, you, you, it might be a little different for you because you are in nature and living in nature. But when, like my kids say, well, you don't understand, which is what we all said. What I'm realizing is I don't, and I don't have always the language. Like, I feel like I'm always playing catch up. Like your kids are a little younger, so you can maybe be a little ahead of it. Um, so I get, you know, I, I can tell you that every day, uh, I make mistakes as a parent and you I feel like you are learning on the fly. And then one kid's one way and another kid's a different way. And just all of this, what do you do? Um, and I think moms do this even more. We always be our guilt is like, I don't know, like part of our thing, like, Oh, that's wrong. And I came to a place where I'm like, Oh, maybe it's not about getting it right. It maybe it's about trying to, sh- to just really show up and say sorry when you're wrong. And if you see a better way to do it, better way to do it, then try to practice that. But do you, for you personally, because you're a unique person in a unique position, you're, you're front loaded with more information and ideas than most of us coming into then having a family. Do you sort of have things where when you know you blow it, like you just said with your son, like, oh, sorry you know, do you have any resources that you use to go, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I, I like, I have to, I need help. I don't know. Yeah. Every day. I mean, listen, if you think you're an expert in everything, you're just, you know, you're deluded in this world, right? There's too much to know, uh, too little time. So, you know, phone a friend, Google it, call a pro and be like, Hey, what do I do here? I subscribe to Marty Seligman's positive psychology. I really think that you know, we don't have a choice but to mess up because we're just human and we're flawed. But the more positive energy and love and tolerance and goodness we could put into that bank account of the relationships we have with our wife, our spouse, our kids, with our friends, with everybody, it lengthens the fuse, right? And so I get up and I give them positive energy. I'm doing my Qigong in the morning. They'll come and do yoga with me. I'll make them green smoothies. We'll tickle. We'll do whatever. And the more like, you know, the the more I make myself available when I'm available, the better. And when I'm working, and especially nowadays, like I've locked myself in, you know, a bedroom and, you know, work from home is I lock that door and I respectfully say, hey guys, daddy's working, right? And then um, when it's time for a break, I'll come out and I'll have that. Like I cut down eight trees a couple of weeks ago in the woods right here and had and quartered them up and had them carry firewood for money because they keep asking for stuff. And I'm like, what do you think stuff comes from? I'm like, now you work. Right. And they're like, damn, this sucks. I'm like, yeah. So, so next time we got um, math homework, you could either use your brain or your body. What's it going to be buddy. Right. And, and you know, like giving them the visceral lessons of, you know, what reality is about. If you're cold, um, then we should build a fire. Well, the fires don't build themselves. Let's go gather some wood, right? And and just going back to elemental stuff and building out from there. I mean, at this point, I think it's the best we can do. And then obviously, you know, give them access, right? Give them access to things that would allow them to become self-directed learners. 
Okay. So when you say that, you mean teaching them how to learn for themselves, like in what way? Because a lot of times now you're going to hear people, they're single parents, they're at home, their kids stuck at home. You know, sometimes I think they feel, they feel trapped in that. When you say that, um, like, what do you mean exactly? Well, I mean, listen, I have a device right here, right? And this device is either going to send me down the rabbit hole of what someone on Instagram wants me to see, or I can Google something that I really didn't know the answer to, figure out the answer, watch a couple instructional videos and figure out how to do something that I didn't know how to do five minutes ago. Right. And it's a tool. It's a knife. You could either, you know, cut lunch with it or cut your hand with it. And so allowing them to understand where the distractions are and what the tools are and allowing them to have the question. And instead of just wondering and stopping there, know how to find the answers to be resourceful. Right. If I can't Google it, I can't research it. I can't figure it out. Who do I, who do I get to, to ask? And the entire universe is conspiring to help you learn more and grow more. People are so helpful when you want to know something genuinely. And so just getting into the path of scholarship and learning and, and self-enrichment, like mentally, physically, all of it. I mean, you're an athlete. Like, you know, if someone shows up to practice and they're working their ass off, you're like, giddy up, let's go. This is great, right? And, and you want to work with them. And, and that's it. I mean, you give, them, you give them that operating system, and I think a lot of it takes care of itself. I'm always looking for the most natural ways to deal with anything. And in my case, sleep is a big one. You know how I feel about sleep. It's just, it's so important. And that's how I got introduced to CBD. You've been seeing it around. It's getting really popular. Um, but then I was introduced to NED. Because the other thing with this is as things get popular, it gets flooded with guys doing it the wrong way. Well, NED comes in, they produce the highest quality full-spectrum CBD extracted, and it's from organically grown hemp plants. It's all sourced from an independent farm. In Colorado, these guys are completely transparent. They will share any third-party lab reports who farms their products, their extraction process. That's really important. And everything happens right there on site. So that means they have their fingers on the process from the beginning of getting in the plant, to when they put it in the bottle and what you're going to use. So you've heard about CBD being used as a sleep aid, like I said, anti-inflammation, maybe got just natural pain reliever from training, living. Some people use it for anxiety. You'd have to check with your doctor, but even treatments of serious chronic conditions such as epilepsy, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and more. They've got so many other things like they, Ned has a natural cycle collection, really good for uh, salves, tinctures, and roll-ons to support hormone balance. They have some limited releases like an immunity blend. They've got a membership that you can subscribe and save. They'll give you 15% off of every order, free shipping, no annual fee, and you can cancel anytime. So go to helloned.com and check out all of their beautiful products, and they have a very, very generous offer for you today. However, before we go there, a lot of times people are concerned about THC. People don't want to be taking products and then feeling all stony, so let's clarify it. So NED products contain a minuscule amount of THC, less than 0.3%. This is allowed by law. And this level of THC makes NED full-spectrum hemp a non-psychotropic, which simply means you're not going to get high. Now, for those of you that have a job that you get drug tested, so despite there being trace amounts of THC in the full-spectrum hemp, it is possible to fail the drug test. So for now, what they're saying is they strongly advise against using any 
ingestible hemp products. Okay, we just want to say that, keep everybody protected. And let me share with you their great deal. If you want to check out Ned and their CBD products, they've got a really great offer for the Gabby Reese audience. Go to www.helloned.com slash Gabby, or just enter Gabby at checkout, and they will give you 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. So that's helloned.com slash Gabby. So I was in the market for a new mattress. Um, It doesn't happen often, but my husband was kind of getting on me like, hey, we got to get a mattress. And simultaneously, as the gods had it. Um, I was approached by Avocado Green Mattress. There are handmakers of eco-luxury um, organic certified mattresses and bedding, and they have a factory in California. My thing about doing any of these advertisements is I have to really use the stuff or know about it so well that I know you can get a benefit from it. It's not just about like spewing a bunch of words and doing an ad. So I said, can you guys send me a mattress? And they did. They sent me their Avocado Latex mattress, and I love it. It came all rolled up. You just let it sit. It opens up. Now you have a giant mattress. Um, Ours is firm. And my husband loved it right away. I've been sleeping on it for over two weeks. And I'll tell you, it's just getting better and better for me. So their new latex mattress is made exclusively with natural organic materials. So, and I really, I think this is what puts me right over the edge. It's entirely biodegradable. The other thing about the company is they're called a B Corp. So if you know anything about this, this is very hard to achieve. They're climate neutral certified, meaning they have a net zero carbon emissions all the way. So whether it's from their farms in India to their California factory or to your home, and they also take some, they're part of the 1% for the planet. So they'll donate some of their revenue to environmental nonprofits. They're organic certified cotton and wool. Everything is sustainably sourced from farms they co-own in India. I really love this too because it's like a top-to-bottom process that they're aware of all the touch points. They got a great offer for you today. You can go to avocadogreenmattress.com and they will give you $200 off your avocado latex mattress. They've got all kinds of mattresses, but on this one specifically, and if you use the code GABBYREESE, You'll get that savings. That's G-A-B-B-Y-R-E-E-C-E. So if you want to check them out, head to Avocado Green Mattress. That's double T and double S at the end, dot com. And if you decide to get the latex mattress, go ahead and put in the code Gabby Reese for your savings. So I think about, I don't know, two years ago, someone introduced me to this idea of like cellular health. It's almost like next level health. Most people were not thinking about our cellular health. Um, And I started to, and and really I was introduced to it because cells are the foundation of our health and, you know, really they make us who we are. And one of the important building blocks of our cells is is something called NAD. I was first introduced to that through IVs, Um, but then I got turned on to a product called True Niagen. And so they have this way of boosting your NAD levels. Um, And so, you know, if you think about your cells, they're the building blocks for you know your health and their cell function. So, so things like sleeping, breathing, eating, drinking, you know, all these simple things. Um, some of the most important stuff we do does and uh, you know, and we don't even think about that. So as we age, the truth of the matter is our bodies don't make as much NAD like they used to. And so thanks to true niogen, there is a way to boost your NAD levels. So it helps counteract the effects of time on your body by promoting the cellular repair. 
So again, sometimes I think we only pay attention to the things that we can always see, but this is such a vital part of our health. It also helps with healthy aging by supporting cellular function and metabolism to maintain overall health and well-being. Who does not want that? Truniagen can also help you increase your cellular energy. It does this by replenishing the decline in NAD due to stressors such as lack of sleep, which by the way, you know how I feel about sleep. I want all of you to get your rest, even over reading. I'm sure there's a lot of that going on right now with all the stress and COVID. And this will help you keep up with your active lifestyle that we all need to, however we're getting it done right now. And taking Truniagen also helps with cellular defense. So in the face of stresses, such as alcohol consumption, maybe immune stress, um, this is all forms of cellular stress. Uh, it's also, Truniagen has caught the attention of the scientific community with its remarkable ability to boost NAD. I always love science behind anything, and they have over 10 clinical studies to prove it. So if you want to give yourselves a boost with True Niagen right now, they've got a great deal for you. New customers can save $20 on a three-month supply by going to trueniagen.com and put in slash Gabby. That's True Niagen, T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N.com, and go ahead and put slash Gabby to save $20 on a three-month supply trueniagen.com slash Gabby. And these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. You may know me from Bravo TV's Family Karma and of course, social media. I grew up in a very conservative Indian family, but I have always forged my own path and live life on my own terms. I recently left my successful career in New York City and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing and I know you are too. Join me as I spill the chai on my own cringeworthy personal life experiences every Thursday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Well, I think when people start early in their life in a form of the disciplined life, right? So for example, me having to go to practice and, you know, then eventually if you really dial in, you're eating a certain way. Now you feel a certain way, you know, the difference of what good feels like versus like I ate that food and it actually didn't make me feel good. So I don't want to eat it. It's not only, it goes beyond the taste and all of that. What would you say to somebody who's listening and they, because in some ways, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say the lazier thing, but the easier thing, a lot of times people get pulled through their life, right? They're not consciously, you know, kind of architecting. And obviously some things come in faith and I believe we, there's destiny and all of these things. But ultimately, sometimes people feel like I'm just along for the ride. What would you say to somebody who maybe didn't have this kind of structured life? Maybe they went to a job and, and that was it to kind of find ways to implement this discipline. Because when you talk about your kids using the device to learn, this is actually a discipline. This is a discipline to say, I'm going to use the tool for the good for me, and I'm going to control not going down weird rabbit holes. And this is self-control, discipline. What do you think is an easy exercise for people to even develop that muscle a little bit? And I'm not even talking about necessarily in the physical sense, like walk every day for eight minutes. I just mean when you get that moment in your mind to make that one choice that's better for you or the one that's an indulgent? It's actually very simple. The answer is already out there. It's just not popular because no one, no one has any work ethic in life. 
that's how we were raised by the media is, you know, they sell sugar cereal to children. The answer, we know. We know definitively what works for the exact problem you're trying to solve right there. It's called meditation. Meditation powers the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that is responsible for the negation of impulses. No, thank you. I'm not coming to drinks with you guys. Higher moral reasoning, which the world can probably use a little more of. Rational thinking, right? And the ability to focus better. So if I were to tell you there's a part of your brain that does that, And if you were to do an exercise for 10, 15 minutes a day, you would empower the part of your brain that says yes to the things that you have already said yes to and no to the distractions so that you're not drifting out at sea and you're actually navigating and getting the life that you choose. You're going to ask me, okay, so is there an easier way? Is there a pill? Like, you know, can you do it for me? Right. And that's where I, you know, I used to have hair. I pulled it all out. Right. It's just like, look, it's there. No one can do it for you. No one went to volleyball practice for you, right? You showed up. You showed up. And that's why you are who you are. So are you willing to show up for yourself in your own life and do some basic breath work to allow your brain to put you back in the driver's seat so you can say no to the cheesecake and no to the drinks and yes to the, you know, the smoothie and the whatever. And, and, and we have that. It's within the nexus of our control. And, you know, the challenge I have with the modern culture is, look, we live in the information age. What is the currency of the information age is your attention. Your attention being drawn into whatever platform it is that's now monetizing your eyeballs for advertising dollars, right? And so if your attention is the currency of this parasitic business model that's there to distract you away from your life, to monetize your heartbeats, towards some advertising dollars that makes other people trillions of dollars and manifest their dreams and buys them dream vacations while you're off, you know, scrolling Instagram, being told what to look at. What's it going to be? You're going to be a victim or you're going to be a master. You have to take your attention back. That's why focus to me is the currency of personal power and mastery. I don't care whether it's, you know, following an exercise, a diet, a whatever, whatever. If you can't keep your focus for longer than 30 seconds, how are you going to keep it for, you know, a month-long diet? You can't. I know this is the thing I observe and you think, oh man, if people just had like one or two steps that they could do, and it, it does appear to be, it's just, there's more distractions. So let's move into, you know, storytelling. So you, you, I think you, you know, you've obviously started in books and you have a prosperity, your uh, movie that, that I really want to get into is you were like, you know, talking about the power of telling stories. Like you don't have to convey everything to everybody. Let me, let me show you the images and then you'll understand, you know, viscerally, like what we're trying to talk about. How do you go from, you know, deciding, oh, now I'm going to produce content, books and films, which is a lot of work and talk about the planet and talk about all these things. Was this like, Hey, this is just going to be the only way I'm going to meet people where they consume information. And that's the best way. Yeah. I mean, look, I was, I went back, I started medical clinics. I had, you know, multi-specialty. It was like Noah's Ark. I had two of everything. I had all these specialists doing all this stuff. And I felt like I was in the mash unit and people would come in all bloodied from the war. And um, no matter how hard we worked, we'd just be exhausted. And um, the world was falling faster than we could fix it. And I realized I, we were losing the propaganda game. 
we were losing the media messaging about what health truly is. And it's all just, it's all just mind games and propaganda coming from someone telling you what the world's about. And that's when I realized for me to fulfill my dharma, if I, you know, left the the life of a monastery, right, to come into the world and make a difference, that either I'm going to putz around doing something that, you know, feels like I might be making a difference, but deep down knowing it's not working, or I have to up my game. And I got to millions of people with my first film and just, it got, you know, just got much more um, reach. How do you take that on? Like, because this for me just correlates when you take something on that's new and obviously you've done a lot of different things. So you have that confidence of I can learn something new, but where do you start? You go, okay, I'm going to, you know, it's one thing to write a book and then it's another thing to go and produce a story. What in you, I understand the reason why, because when things aren't working, but then what in you is like, oh, okay, I got this. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, my first film I had done in, in partnership with a group that had done this stuff before. And I was just the guy that was, you know, there along for the ride and helping and giving ideas and all that. And then we uh, agreed to disagree. They wanted to go into, you know, conspiracy crap about like why the government's making all, you know, keeping you from all this technology that would, you know, heal everything. And I'm like, yo, I'm trying to get people to eat vegetables. Like, yeah, you're missing what the healthcare crisis is, right? It isn't about this thing that, that, you know, this magic invention that you don't know about. It's about the crap you're putting in your mouth. And so we agreed to disagree. And I uh, basically took the rights to the film. And then I'm like, wow, what do I do with this? So I called some friends in LA and I was like, yo, um, I got a problem I need to solve. Help. And I just started asking and reading and researching. And just instead of feeling like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not a film person. I'm a monk person or a doctor person or a whatever. You know, like just this like identifying yourself in this like narrow band because you need to feel like your identity has some sort of structure is when you let go of all that, when you do the spiritual work and you realize that whatever you say you are doesn't matter. It's all crap. It's all your storefront and who you are is still a mystery that you're trying to figure out. Then it doesn't matter if I'm not a film person. Now I have a film problem. Let's go solve it. And I just did. Right. And I feel, I feel like when I was reading something like you, you spend a lot of your own money to do that. Right. Yeah, I, I've gone all in on a lot of my stuff. I don't have any money in the stock market. I bet on my own ventures. I trust myself. I, I mean, I have money with like friends, companies and stuff. But, you know, my whole thing was I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this for the impact. And I, then I had to learn the harsh reality that impact on planet Earth means generating enough money to boost your signal. So then I had to learn about money. And I was like, wow, you know, I have a lot of judgments on money coming from like spiritual world, right? Where you're just like, you know, money is evil and all this. And I was like, okay, no, now now we're judo flipping that. Money is energy and money is the currency of of energy on the society that we're going to use to get people to understand better their plight and put them back into their personal power. And so then I had to, you know, again, it's the householder thing. I had to get back into the world and then be like, okay, so why am I having trouble with money? Let's conquer this. Let's figure this out. It's, you know, let's, it's another problem to solve. You know, it's interesting about money. I don't know that I've ever said this out loud. I mean, outside of like with my husband is I was, when I was younger, I was so interested in having like a healthy life, you know, like a real life a relationship, self-care, just like a clean environment that sometimes 
And then the more I was around people that were really, really successful, I felt like their regular real life was a disaster. Like I kept equating with this abundance, with this complete disaster, because sometimes the time it takes you to go get all that, it's hard to put it into your family or your own self-care or what have you. And it's taken me till I'm 50 to realize, to your point, it's energy. I, I'm not going to be out of my mind if I have more money. It's, it is this energy I can redirect to you know, do more projects that I want to do if I believe in them or whatever. But it, it is a very interesting thing to think of money as bad or greedy or something that's going to eat us. Like we're all vulnerable, losing our minds versus a tool to your point. So, you know, we were talking, I mean, a little about prosperity, about expanding. You know, I love some of the stuff you've been saying about it isn't about we're all jockeying for one crumb. It's this idea of how do I go out in the world and create value and prosperity and build. I, I don't think people are taught that. It's me, mine, I. If you win, I lose. I think, you know, how do you teach people? Because you talk a lot about, okay, there's education and there's inspiration. You've done a lot of that. Now it's about the tools. So let's say someone is in a job that they're not they don't love. And they're saying, I'm ready for a change. And I am starting to practice my meditation and I am taking better care of myself. You know, maybe you could discuss some of these tools that you think as simple as they may seem to you that could be valuable to somebody. Cause now it's, it, it is, it's time to act, right? The world is in a really interesting place and um, it's kind of an all hands on deck time for us to all kind of take care of ourselves and each other and the world that we're in. Um, when you talk about those tools uh, and that toolkit, you know, what does some of those things look like to you? I mean, elementally, let's go back and, and talk about money because we actively trade our time and our energy for money. And if you understand that, I mean, energy, yeah, I could, you know, sleep, I could eat, I could restore and have some more energy tomorrow. Tomorrow, I just have one less day on planet Earth. And, and you know, God willing, I could extend my longevity. But, you, you know, you're only going to have a certain amount of heartbeats and then your time is up. So time is really valuable. Now, that said, I have 50x the time I have right now hanging out with you, doing a podcast. 50x, 50 other people right now doing things with their time on planet Earth, helping hatch some of the visions that I've had in my multiple companies as I'm sitting here right now. Maybe more, I don't even know how many people are working right now. We're like, I've bought other people's time with money. And so now it's like, wow, I have a force of people helping me make the world a better place, much more than I could do my little old self. I mean, I'm not even really good at much, right? Like it's, it's you, you can bring on talented, able-bodied, beautiful humans who are also interested in co-creating a reality they could get behind if you show thought leadership and as a business owner, you know, channel money in through it so that they could feed their families and they can grow and all that. Now, if you're sitting at some humdrum job uh, right now, listening to this, trading your heartbeats for something that you don't find particularly valuable, then there's plenty. It's a, it's a market economy. Like there's plenty of places you can work that could make you feel like your contribution of time and energy is moving the world in a direction that's 
more meaningful than what you're doing right now. I mean, that's the first stop, right? And then secondly, look, no one cares about your time per se. They care about the resulting product of what comes through your time. So if you're sitting there clicking away on a spreadsheet, just checking in and checking out, then that's the life you get. That's kind of the life you deserve. I'm sorry. But if you're about creating value for wherever you are, there's not, I mean, if your company doesn't get it, they're just idiots. They're like, whoa, look at Barry. Holy crap, Barry's rocking it. Wow, Barry, Barry, get over here. We're gonna give you a promotion. Barry, here's the department. Barry, you can take over Australia, right? Just show up and render value because they're not paying for your time. They're paying for value and output, whatever your business is. So make yourself infinitely more useful inside the ecology that you're in, or just change the environment and go to a place where, you know, you can feel really good about contributing. Then if you don't know how to render or deliver more value, uh, go back to the beginning of this conversation and go Google whatever the hell it is that you need to know to be better at your job and keep getting better and better so that you can be more useful to planet earth. You can be useful to society. I mean, what is the exchange of money? It's an exchange of value. So what value is your time bringing the place that you're parked up sitting in right now? And do you feel good about that? And does your company feel good about that? Like, is there a proper exchange? Is it out of exchange? Are you wasting their money on time? Or are you generating way more value than the money you deserve? Start there. So, you know, you're very loving and you come from, you know, and I, I want to go back to prosperity to the film and and you know, I, I, uh, want to direct people to watch that. Cause I thought the other beautiful thing that you were talking about is how people can use their spending money and their money towards reorienting things, at least in a positive direction. But when you have to have uncomfortable, cause you're a boss, uncomfortable conversations and you want to be in love and you want to be positive, but you have to drop off either uncomfortable information, or maybe you have to fire somebody. Um, do you lose sleep over that? Or do you, is it just kind of the way it is? No, I mean, listen, the human stuff always makes me lose sleep, right? Um, I'm very direct. I will be, you know, very loving in it and just be like, hey, listen, we're not getting the value we need or you seem distracted. You seem to have a better place. I will have a heart to heart with everybody unless they're complete, you know, shit and are stealing or something, right? But, you know, I uh, fortunately, I haven't hired one of those in a long time. But, um, you know, it's it's about being radically honest and being like, listen, we don't have room on this boat for dead weight. So either you're going to show up and be here to help us move this forward, or, you know, that's fine. It's a market economy. Like there's plenty of places that, you know, you can take your skills to. This just isn't a fit. I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I said it didn't bother me. Like I, you know, the human stuff always bothers me. Yeah. Well, you just, you do have a clarity that, so from the outside for a lot of people, we, we all would like to have that very like clear, feeling like, oh, well, this is how we should do it. And I think a lot of us get stuck in the, we actually know what we should be doing, but sometimes it's like, oh, that's going to be uncomfortable. Or does that make me not a nice person? And if I have to tell this person, hey, you got to go, or, you know, it's all, it's all of that wrestling. And, and I have to say, watching you for like the last 40 minutes, I've, I have seen you in many, many other interviews. And I want to ask that you have taken on a lot right? Because I, I feel that you have said, I'm going to dedicate to my family and to creating a workspace that is contributing you know, to this 
communication of let's do this better. And that is really difficult to do because the way it's set up, and if you, all you have to do is like turn on the TV and see people arguing, even though I don't think it represents the majority opinion, I think more people actually love each other and feel the same way than some of that stuff that's being sold out there. But when I see right now today, it seems like it could kick your ass too a little bit. Like maybe there's been extra work or, you know, like what do you do to keep pulling yourself up to say, okay, I'm on this mission because I think honestly, just even, and I, I've never met you in person. I can see that you must've either been working very hard right now, or sometimes you just go, are we making a difference? How do you on, on those days, weeks or months go, okay, you've got your practice to support you, your meditation, Qigong, but how do you emotionally keep gearing up to go to the light, to the, yes, we can do it. We can change. Cause it isn't easy. And I can see on your face that it's the question of the hour, right? Absolutely. It's the question of the hour because it's, you know, as an alchemist, the, the task is to turn lead to gold and the world is prov- is providing a lot of lead right now. Right. And how do you transform and transmute that? Right. And so for me, I mean, look, I've been up on podcasts since seven in the morning. Um, I just got back from um, an elk hunt because I, I, as a meat eater, I felt like, you know, Joe Rogan, huh? (laughs) I'm joking. Yeah. No, but it was one of those things. It's like, if I'm going to eat meat, then I need to have the integrity of, of being able to take a life and be okay with that. Right. And I've been a vegetarian. I've been on both sides. It's just something I needed to do. And so, yeah, I just came back from like, you know, it was a very difficult elk hunt and jumped right back into the whitewater of, we have a new streaming service. I have, you know, two new books out. I had, you know, we, we've, I've sat on a lot of eggs and a lot of them are hatching right now. Tell me about your streaming service. Whole TV, whole.tv. Um, we have uh, live yoga therapy, functional medicine, all sorts of live like uh, stuff going on. Um, all of us, all the best docu-series in the market and we're adding new films every week. And that's just one of many projects that are spinning and manifesting. And some of them, yeah, some of them pull off more water than you can sustainably flow to. Um, and so what are we doing this weekend? We're going to Moab and tonight I'm going to the pumpkin patch with the kids. And, you know, so to me, it's the metaphor is the life garden. And you just got to constantly assess which plants are taking more water at any given point and then reallocate. So nothing withers, right? And you just have to move it around and you have to be radically honest with yourself. And to get back to your very important question is, you know, are you going to have like a, you know, everyone, everyone thinks that this like meditation, consciousness, yoga thing is just like all bliss and like we unicorns and pixie dust. And sometimes it's just a lot of fucking work, right? And you basically metabolize the pain, the suffering of the humans around you and the challenges around you in a way where you just keep an open heart and you breathe and you meditate and you do your own personal work. And, you know, I'll go in my sauna, I'll go in the steam room, I'll go for a long hike, I'll do things to burn off steam, to keep myself light, to to continue to carry the load that I have decided to shoulder. I don't want to sound like a victim. I've decided to shoulder and stop and breathe as often as you need to, or else you're not going to make the journey. Mm. Do you ever find, I feel like sometimes I can be so good for everyone else and the world 
And even though I am like hitting the marks because it's so important to me and my family, I sometimes feel like that it's almost like sometimes it feels like the outside world gets the absolute best of me. And then I get home with my kids. I'm like, Oh, did you eat that? Did you brush your teeth? Have you duh, duh, duh. And I, and it's an interesting thing where you think, Oh, I'm, I, it's, it's almost easier that face that we put out there versus, you know, sometimes you come home and you know, you're tired and you, you're drained and they're intimate with you. And uh, I think that's something I'm always trying to calibrate is how I can be actually my best, best self for the people really close to me who are with me in that every day. It starts with being honest to those people, right? Like, Hey, mommy's tired right now. Right. And that's fine too. Cause mommy's allowed to be tired. Mommy can't take a quad espresso shot to pretend she's okay and not have hormone problems 10 years down the line. Right. And so it's okay. Like let them see you're tired. Let them see you're working hard. Let them see that you had a rough day and let them see how you deal with it as a human. Cause I think a lot of our parents um, just stiff upper lip pretended everything was okay. And then when we saw things, you know, we saw cracks in the concrete, it like shattered parts of our reality. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather be radically authentic and be like, Hey, you know what? That's really, really sleepy. Like, you know, we traveled, I used to travel 80, 90 days a year, just going to and from film shoots. Right. And that's tiring. It sucks. So for, for people, you know, they, you have prosperity and what two books, how do, why not just do one book and then another book? Why do you have to? Do <laughs> Good question. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so we had a book come out with a series that just released um, in August called Exhausted. It was a 10-part series on you know, fatigue. And then myself and Nick Polizzi, one of my best friends, um, wrote that book, uh, co-wrote that book as part of that body work. And then the, the next, you know, and the, and the bigger question you're asking, the question behind the question is what, why? Why? Right? It's like, I've already written several books. What, what's the point? I don't do it for the money. So why am I writing this book? Is because I see that there's a crisis of consciousness right now and our attention is being mined. Our minds are being mined by the media, the social media in particular, in the monetization models that just pull our attention out of our heads, out of our body. Like basically you will pull all billions of people putting their attention into these devices that are monetizing private jets for some dudes in Silicon Valley, but their lives are adrift and they're always complaining about life not working out. You want your life to work out, you take your mind back. I mean, and to me, that was, that's, that's the reason I wrote Focus is, look, this is a critical juncture. And if you don't take your mind back, if you don't come back to where you need to be, which is here and now, you're screwed. It's like, it's like if you don't floss, you're going to get a, a cavity. If you don't do mental flossing every single day, you're going to be distracted and spun into a reality, whether it's red team or blue team or whatever the hell team, where you're like, you know, hating on your neighbors and, and you know, thinking that all the world's problems are too big for you to solve. And then you become a victim. Right. Doesn't work. And you have, a, wait, do you still have your, uh, the Urban Monk, the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we, we have uh, whole TV. We have, I really would encourage people to watch prosperity um, because I'm not going to, get into that right now because it'll, they can, I think it's important to watch it. Even talking about which banks to choose. I think people don't realize all these choices that we can make on a daily uh, basis 
that can move towards something uh, positive or better for the environment. And it's even where you're, you know, putting your, your dollars. Okay. In sensitivity to that, you might have like three other podcasts to do. If you could give people an invitation, two or three things, suggestions in a really rudimentary way of like the sort of more important things right now that if we could collectively start to practice, even if it's in our own way, because we're all different. I think it's right. It's honoring that. What does that look like for you today? It might be different tomorrow and that's okay. Every day is different, that's right? Um, the, the, the thing I think should go for everybody is develop a meditation practice. Do it daily. Even if it's 10 minutes a day, build the discipline of turning your attention inward so that you can activate the part of your brain that allows you to make better decisions. I mean, to me, that's, you know, it's, it's elementary, but a lot of people are like, oh, the 10 minutes. It's like, you have 24 hours. What's yeah. 10 minutes? And when you say that, a lot of people don't understand, like meditation could just be sitting quietly. Close your, to your lower abdomen, take deep breaths to your lower abdomen, slowly inflate the lower abdomen, slowly deflate. You can get cute later. That's all you really need to do to get going. Right. And then I would say, if you really aren't feeling well, just be very mindful of the food that goes in your mouth. Only eat things that come from nature. Take out the gluten and dairy for 30 days. See how you feel. Eat a lot more vegetables. Eat a lot less sugar. And just see how quickly things start to turn around. And then do the level of activity that your body allows you to do. A lot of people are so beat up that they like, you know, then they go to some boot camp and they kill themselves. It's like, if all you got is a 15 minute walk, then start with that right? But just get the wheels turning again. And it starts to really kind of blow out the cobwebs and starts to bring the vitality back in the system. And then once you have some energy, reinvest it into better and better decisions and a better life. But it becomes an upward spiral. I just don't think that most of us don't have the energy. It's like, if I asked you for 20 bucks and your pockets were empty, you're like, dude, I'm broke. Most people are energetically on the breadline of being broke. So asking them to do something big and heavy and exhausting just doesn't work. So just let's get a, let's get them a shot in the arm, make them feel a little better, give them a little more control over their lives, and then the better decisions beget better decisions. Right. As a as a married guy, I've been with my husband almost twenty five years, and um, I was wondering if you thought it in your scenario. What do you think some of the things that are have been really helpful? Like it's one thing to have it in theory, and then it's another to have it in play. What do, you, what do you have in your relationship that's in play that you're like, you know what, this really is a powerful tool? Listen and adoration. Really put positive energy into your spouse. Really find what they need and give it to them. Be like, hey, you know what? I got the kids for a minute. Why don't you go take some time? Right. And just look for the cues instead of playing like, well, what about me? You don't see how hard I work and all the kind of like tit for tat crap that creates resentment, just put positive energy and give each other space to take care of each other, obviously, but take care of yourself and be like, you know what, why don't you go take a long, hot shower? I'll take the kids for a while. Right. And, and just that little bit of just respect goes a long, long way. I know that you're attacking kind of the issues that are in your wheelhouse. Is there something that like even as a parent, is there something that sometimes you go, oh, I, I think this scares me a little. I mean, look, let's turn on the news, right? I mean, 
It's like, are we going to a, going into a civil war? Like, what is happening with the fabric of society? Right? We've been we've been thinking about having a third child, and we decided to wait to like allow for COVID to just play itself out. I don't want her in a hospital and getting exposed to COVID while pregnant. You know, you know, it's just there. There are very real considerations in the world that we live in that um, are not to be ignored. I mean, look, the Nazis marched the streets. Genghis Khan used to roll into villages and behead every man and enslave every woman and child. This is part of human history. And so, look, we could take a dark turn. You better be willing to stand for freedom and stand for what you believe in. I don't want it to go to bloodbath. But, you know, let's be realists, right? Like the world can take dark turns and it's on us to take the higher road and make sure that stuff like that doesn't happen. Yeah. One last question. I think a lot of times, and especially with technology, now let's add COVID, um, people are always feeling isolated. And it's easier to say it in COVID, but I think people were feeling isolated long before COVID. I think COVID, I always joke that I feel like everything that's happening is just a representation of how we've been living. So it's like, oh, okay, we got our reality president because culturally we've coveted these sort of ideas instead of developed other ideas. It's like, everyone's so surprised. I'm like, no, that's the perfect representation of like where we're at and what we've been practicing for 10 years. I think people feel lonely. And if they don't have a family, do you think that that meditation and that kind of practice actually is a, it is a form of a connection, you know, and I think people don't realize that they think I'm going inside. It's like, well, no, you're connecting inside and then connecting with everything. When you connect inside, you connect with everything is the answer. There is no difference between inside and outside, but if you've been looking for the answers outside, you're lost. Right. And that's really the, the premise of all the spiritual traditions is look inside and you are rich. Look inside and you are never alone. And so I just think that the orientation of looking for answers outside of oneself is the central spiritual disease of our time. No one's going to fix your problems. Turn around, wake up, take control of your life and live a masterful, meaningful one. I don't think there's anything better than that. Um, wait, the other book, The Art of Stopping Time. What's the other book? Focus and there are some top, tell me which so, one I'm missing. So there's uh, Rise and Shine, The Urban Monk, The Art of Stopping Time. Then Rise and Shine got re kind of edited into Inner Alchemy um, and then Exhausted, Now Focus. And then there's another two coming, Healing Trauma and Conscious Parenting. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I couldn't do it if I didn't meditate. <laughs> what do you need to add elf to your diet? <laughs> That's it. High powered meat. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Pedram, thank you so much for your time. I just, I really appreciate the work you're doing. And I think it is a really important reminder to people that if at least we can connect, start with ourselves and then let's start to contribute and be, you know, stewards in the world around us. Um, and you're a great example. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of naughty behaving adults and I just appreciate the fact that <laughs> you're acting like an adult. Mom. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I got, I got to be the adult uh, around my kids, right? <laughs> Sometimes the kid. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. 
And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.